0: We told you to watch out for those tricky U.S.-China tensions. Now they're back and investors are stuck in the middle. Here's what matters.
1: Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin.
0: And I'm Robert Sarenbetts.
1: And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments.
0: In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team what we think matters as we manage investment solutions.
1: That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners.
0: Yes, and by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors.
1: Welcome, everybody. It's the week of August 17th, 2020. And before we get to today's topic, I just want to mention that Congress has now gone on recess, which means at least it looks as though we won't have a fiscal stimulus bill passed until September. We did talk about that in last week's episode. So if you're interested in that topic, please take a little rewind and and check out that episode from last week. But today, we're going to get back to a different oldie but goodie, US-China trade tensions.
0: Man, I've always been a fan of a good throwback, but this topic is a very well-received break from the persistent COVID rotation of COVID-19 related discussions.
1: Yeah, it's not much of a break for investors considering the potential breakdown in relationships and trade deals between the US and China.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate. But before we move on to why and how tensions might escalate from here, I think it's good to do a quick recap of everything that's happened to see just how US-China relations have unraveled with such alarming speed this year.
1: Okay, then quick recap. U.S.-China trade tensions came onto our radar in the spring of 2018, so more than two years ago. And you may remember that it wasn't just the U.S. and China. We also had debates over what was then NAFTA and is now USMCA and trade in other regions of the world as well. But it seemed to get better when the U.S. struck a trade deal with China in the autumn of last year.
0: Hooray, trade deal. But then we had COVID.
1: (laughs) Boo. Um, Since then, yes, we've seen a range of policies aimed at each country in the form of tit-for-tat style escalations. First, there was harsh rhetoric over the virus and protests in Hong Kong. Uh, then in late spring, the U.S. decertified Hong Kong of its special status and imposed visa restrictions and sanctions on Chinese officials. And then, of course, China countered back by expelling journalists and implementing its own slew of sanctions and harsh rhetoric. It's It's been eventful.
0: And then President Trump signed an executive order banning TikTok from the U.S. on the grounds of national security? So then any transaction between a U.S. citizen and TikTok's parent in Beijing and the, the parent company, ByteDance, will be outlawed 45 days. Now, I think it's like 38, 37 days. Such a sweeping ban like this hasn't really ever been done, and it would be fatal for TikTok's operations. And now, of course, TikTok's challenging the order, and in a way, this just seems to be a giant distraction from the bigger picture that's going on right now.
1: Okay, so that's, that's definitely the latest... Development, But is it a distraction from the bigger picture? Because tit for tat tactics like this are not only common throughout history, but they've been common to the past couple of years. So if we admit that the news flow can get sidetracked from time to time, there must be a reason why analysts are focusing on this dynamic right now.
0: That's a really good point. And I think there's a handful of reasons why people are focusing on it. First, TikTok is awesome. It's super popular, over 100 million American users. And the growth has been incredible, unprecedented, really, especially since we've been sheltered at home with COVID. How else do you learn your cool dance? Uh, And second, the action alone just raises some fascinating questions about the executive order and and how it would be uh, executed. Like, would TikTok be removed from mobile app stores? Um, Would the 1,000 US-based employees of TikTok have their paychecks frozen?
1: I mean, (laughs) these days I'm sure that anything is possible, but you raise a really interesting point about the implementation of a rule like that.
0: Right. And then the third reason is this, like, why the fight really matters. And that's the proposed mergers or hostile takeovers mean that TikTok, In order to keep a company like TikTok alive in the U.S., that plays into the narrative of COVID-related businesses and tech companies and growth companies that have already been the focus of so much attention in this crazy, crazy world.
1: Yeah, crazy world indeed. And look, I think this downward spiral of relations is likely to be with us for the next couple of months at least threats of further action or even financial sanctions could happen with China turning into this key campaign issue for 2020. So I don't know. I think that phase one trade deal that everyone was so excited about seems to be on borrowed time.
0: Yeah, and they borrowed a little bit more this weekend when they uh, pushed back or 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 canceled uh, revisiting that phase one trade deal. Um, but being tough on China is a bipartisan issue. And it's fairly popular among Americans. So the 2020 presidential candidates may have different views on how that position should be carried out. But uh, both candidates will likely support being tough on China. And there could be political upside for Trump to escalate this confrontation with China along the way.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So it's it's front and center for the election. It's front and center for the Trump administration. It's also gained popularity among Chinese diplomats. At this year's National People's Conference, China's foreign policy minister, minister said that the country will stand firm in defending its national interests. So pretty similar sounding rhetoric.
0: Wow. I didn't even know that. And the NPC is huge for how China crafts their future policy. So what do you think this looks like moving forward?
1: Well, I think that you nailed it in what you said earlier, that this issue is not going away. It's just a matter of what the disputes look like in the coming months. So I'll give an example. The phase one trade deal is still intact but only because President Trump has been holding his Trump card, ha ha, (laughs) pun, (laughs) uh, to admit that China hasn't lived up to their end of the deal. They promised to make a bunch of purchases, including agricultural purchases that haven't really been possible during COVID, but haven't happened. So it's possible that further disputes will happen on the periphery of this issue. Things like tech or semiconductor companies getting pressure in countries that produce that technology like Taiwan or Korea. And technology really is the root of this great power struggle between the U.S. and China, a struggle that's not going to go away even if a different administration is elected into office. So I think that both countries are in the short term prioritizing their economic recovery, but that foreign policy stance is still important and could escalate from here.
0: Well, this sounds like a perfect opportunity for us to talk about any investment implications in a section we like to call the portfolio pause. So there are a number of risks on the horizon, Uh, some we outlined last week, some we've outlined today with U.S. and China, and investors should be prepared for both the good and bad of any of these outcomes.
1: Yes. in, In the short term, so in the next couple of months leading up to the election, there are a few things that could prove to be negative surprises for investors. Congress dropping the ball on fiscal stimulus even in September, the U.S. election itself, geopolitical risks like China or the domestic and international technology war, and all of these things are kind of related. Trouble on one front might prompt President Trump to push levers in other areas leading up to election day. And so the economic risk of missing fiscal stimulus, for example, could push us a little bit closer to a tech war. It's, It's really related.
0: Wow, tech really can't catch a break on this one. Two weeks ago, when we were talking about the overly optimistic expectations for many of these growth companies that's manifested itself in high valuations um, and an intense concentration and just investor concentration and just a few big tech names, um, we made a few suggestions for how investors can diversify away from tech while staying invested. Since then, we've seen some rotation out of this name, and it could just be the beginning, as this uh, trade spat continues.
1: Well, how can an investor put all of that into effect in one portfolio then? You just mentioned staying invested, and I think that's really important. But I want to reiterate that there's always risk to investing. Uh, what we're discussing are just the risks of the day. And investors with the appropriate time horizon or risk tolerance can make tactical moves along those lines.
0: Yeah, exactly. Staying invested is really important. Uh, and one way to do that is to diversify. Um, away from specific company risks, so allocating away from high-flying names and beneficiaries of tech dominance and globalization toward maybe more defensive sectors and strategies. Um, These sectors and and strategies, like building income in your portfolio, could be more isolated from political fallout that could dent uh, some of these really high valuations, whether it comes on the domestic front or the international front.
1: Okay, okay, that's interesting. If we pull back though from the the next couple of months dynamic and any tactical moves and think more in the one to two year term, there's so many other factors facing investors. So regular listeners to the program will have heard us talk about the tremendous cross currents facing investors in the economy. On the one hand, more fiscal support, combined with ultra easy monetary policy should help support risk assets. But a sluggish economy and the after effects of COVID mean that investors should be worried of a a buy anything strategy. There are going to be some strategies or some sectors that might fare better than others. And so understanding that those gains might not come in a super straightforward or easy way is really important.
0: Yeah. And I think just accepting the fact that returns in the future probably won't look like returns in the past uh, is another really big part of it. We've seen a near 50% gain in the S&P 500 from the the COVID-related lows. So all of these ideas go back to a big theme from our outlook, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, which was that investors should stay invested, maintain diversification, and take portfolio hedges really seriously.
1: Exactly. And so if you're concerned about some of the things we've talked about today and want to tilt away from the technology sector or highly valued growth names, you could do that by tilting into value strategies, which tend to benefit from things like rising commodity prices or a weakening dollar and international equity outperformance, which is an environment that we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. So having some precious metals exposure might also make sense in this environment. Gold and silver have gained a lot of traction in recent weeks. They're up significantly There will always be volatility in asset classes like this, Um, but the monetary stimulus we're seeing and all the geopolitical and political uncertainty could make this an interesting hedge option in portfolios. Coming up this week, as you would expect, all eyes are on Congress and whether we get a bill passed. It looks like they are on recess, but maybe Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi might be bringing back Uh, her members of the House of Representatives, to vote on a deal for the USPS to protect the United States Postal Service, which we also talked about in last week's podcast.
1: Yeah, this this whole dynamic around fiscal stimulus went from optimism to optimism for maybe the end of September when Congress has to make a bunch of other budget rules really quickly. And frankly, it's astonishing how little this has mattered for the markets so far. Our anticipation as a team is that um, this timeline or expectation that we will get further fiscal action in the next several weeks is, is still enough to, from a company perspective and a profit perspective to push things forward. We'll see, though, what that impact on households and their ability to spend and their ability to stay in their homes means for the economy in uh, the next several months. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters.
0: Let us know what matters to you.
1: If you have a question or topic of interest, let us know on social media.
0: That's right. You can send us your questions or highlights what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. And until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetts.
1: And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from Compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.